Hello and welcome, friends, to another edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on your community radio station. We are Forward Radio 106.5 FM, broadcasting from here in the historic Hayburn Building and live streaming to the world at forwardradio.org. If you're not there now, please go there and become a part of our community radio station. We want to broadcast your voices, your concerns, your issues, your communities to the world and to Louisville. And you can click participate at forwardradio.org and get behind these microphones or help us out behind the scenes too and it is the season of giving please put a little something under the tree for forward radio we rely entirely on listener contributions to keep this great community resource on the air broadcasting 24 7 365 going to be five years in april that we've been doing this wonderful project thanks to you all contributing a few bucks here and there so maybe you got twenty dollars to spare this giving season and you could sponsor an entire day's broadcast here at forward radio wouldn't that be awesome well, what we do here on Sustainability Now each week is we bring in folks from around the community who are doing good work in sustainability, thinking critically about what what it takes to have a more sustainable Louisville. And I'm so excited to have the studio filled, filled, filled today with so many guests. It's really exciting. A bunch of folks are in town from the University of Kentucky, and they are all part of an exhibit. It just opened on December 15th. It's called Studio Louisville, and it's all about our Preston Corridor and how we can re-envision it. Uh, our guests today are Carolina Segura-Bell. She's a senior lecturer at uh, University of Kentucky's Department of Landscape Architecture. Welcome, Carolina. Thank you. Good to be here. And we got to meet each other earlier on an urban ag tour, right? Yes. Yeah, that was so pretty that's cool. pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we also have Jeff Fugate. He is the exhibit coordinator, and he is the acting associate dean for administration in the urban and environmental design program at UK. Do I have that right, Jeff? Uh, fairly close. I'm a <laughs> faculty at the School of Architecture, but city, uh, city planner by training. Yeah, yeah. You have an interesting background. You've worked with Habitat for Humanity way back in the day and great organizations like MACID and yeah. Berea, right? And Lexington's Downtown Development Authority. That's all cool stuff. I, I should probably have you back sometime when we can talk about all that stuff. All kinds of war stories. <laughs> and I also am thrilled to have uh, three different students in the studio with me. They're all seniors in landscape architecture who have been a part of putting this exhibit about the Preston Corridor together. Uh, we've got uh, Kimberly Chaw in the studio. Welcome, Kimberly. Hi, it's great to be here. Yay. Uh, Skylar Collins is also joining us. Hi, Skylar. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And Chloe Mattingly is here. Welcome, Chloe. Hi, thanks for having me. Yay. It's great to have you here. Uh, okay, so to Studio Louisville, is this a new thing? It is a rebooted thing. A rebooted thing. It's a okay. rebooted thing, yes. So Studio Louisville was imagined a number of years ago, and it was and it was actually a reboot of a previous partnership between the University of Kentucky College of Design, the University of Louisville Urban Design Studio, and the City of Louisville. That effort basically bumped into, um, stop me, you, you heard this one, budget issues. Um, <laughs> What's that? And, uh, you know, in our last downturn, it, yeah. and it, it stalled out for a little while. And then Studio Louisville was sort of rebooted a few years ago. And, and, and that version really was sort of an effort of the uh, School of Architecture. And then a couple of years ago, just prior to COVID, 
which now is, you know, getting to be more than two years ago. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> um, but just prior to COVID, um, we rebooted it again. However, this time we're pretty conf- confident it's going to last. So oh, uh, what we have now is a cross-disciplinary effort between both the College of Design. So uh-huh. within College of Design, we have the School of Architecture, School of Interiors. And our friends at Landscape Architecture are actually in the College of Agriculture, Food, and Environment, <laughs> which I always have to stop and yeah. make sure I get all that right. That's a lot of words. And so this is our second so, outing. Yeah, this is our second outing of doing a cross-disciplinary uh, studio where we have each of the disciplines working together on a joint prompt looking at issues in in, in Louisville. And so this semester... Uh, because of the Preston Corridor plan that is moving forward at the city level, they invited us to also look at it concurrently with the consultants. Um, consultants are doing exciting and interesting things like traffic counts. We get to do the fun stuff, <laughs> like imagine the future. I so. love it. Yes, I should have mentioned from the top, uh, there is opportunity for not only learning from these folks and seeing their exhibit, which will be available in this pop-up Studio Louisville uh, City Design Studio that is in the Republic Building over there at 5th and Ollie, just a few blocks away from us here at Forward Radio on the second floor. Uh, it is opening December 15th and then will be available. Uh, hours will be posted at udstudio.org for the Urban Design Studio it, through early January for sure. But there's also opportunity for uh, public input on the Preston Corridor plan in general, right? Because the city has been working to re-envision this corridor and folks can learn more about that and put in whatever comments they have at PrestonCorridorPlan.org. I love it when the URLs are easy to say over the air. That's a good one. (laughs) Easy to remember. So tell us about this corridor. Does anyone know why this has been selected as a a priority for re-envisioning? I can't really speak to the the city's priorities. Um, I can say that in over the course of the semester, I think what we what we've learned, and I love to hear from our students yeah. here, is that you know Preston is fascinatingly representative of so many different types of the city. Yeah, it really or parts is. of the city, right? I mean, it goes all the way. From, I mean, it goes from the river to Bullet County, right? Yeah. And so because of that, I think it and it carries a lot of traffic. Obviously, it. it Basically, you know, it's parallel to 65, but it touches, you know, it touches the airport, it touches the fairgrounds. It's, um, you know, the development that's the university, right, the medical campus, and then, you know, and then downtown. But also, you know, it's the main connection back out to Shepherdsville, which is now becoming more and more a logistics center. And so Mm. there's just a lot of pressure on that corridor in terms of what it's going to be in the future. And I think that it that's part of why it yeah. kind of really came to came to be priority. Yeah, I want to hear from the students, too. Like, when you envisioned becoming a landscape architect, did you think about things like the Preston Corridor? Or were you thinking more of, like, you know, uh, what I would do for a business or something like that? Or is it all, all part of the vision? I mean, I'd say that I didn't have one specific vision when I began landscape architecture. Okay. I didn't even really know what landscape architecture was until I dived into the program. But this is definitely something very different than what we've worked on before. But it's very exciting, and it's definitely made us, I feel like, feel more engaged with the community. Yeah. And super interdisciplinary, too, right? Like you're collaborating not just with landscape architects. Was that was that fun or intimidating or challenging or what? I think it was intimidating at first, (laughs) but it's been really nice to do this because this will kind of simulate what it's like in our careers because we will constantly be working with architects and interior design. So it's been really nice to work with them as much as we've been able to. 
And it was nice because they gave a different perspective on a lot of things that we didn't think of. Yeah. And they proposed things that we necessarily, like, different directions that we were going in, but it helped kind of rein in our ideas as well. Yeah. So if you could describe your all's contribution as landscape architects to this exhibit or this project, you know, if you could put it into words, which I know is tough, but this is radio. We don't have a visual option here. How would, how would you describe your contributions to it? What does the product look like for, for the Preston Corridor? I would say just kind of trying to keep it as green as possible and just making sure that, like, whatever anyone is proposing comes back to sustainability and what it's going to look like in 40 years, not just 10 years. So I think that's been a big thing for us. Um, also, like, uh, Louisville has a really bad, like, urban heat island effect. So that was one thing that all of us were really trying to focus on. Um, we did a project earlier this year with Trees Louisville, and we learned a lot about that um, during that project as well. I think that's what a lot of our projects are focusing on is creating more green space and, yeah. you know, larger tree canopies for the city. Yeah. Okay. So the vision is to green it, but not just for beauty, for actual services to the citizens, right? Could you describe that? What are some of the services that the landscapes that you've designed would provide? Well, just green space for people to go like and enjoy, right? So there's a lot of residential on Preston, especially sure. in um, my group had the Eastern Parkway uh, intersection. Oh, yeah. And so we were kind of trying to bring more of the parkway onto Preston. And that was just a really good opportunity. And just like spaces for people, just so that people don't have to be rich to be able to enjoy green space. Right. A lot of Preston is hardscape, so I feel like a big thing for us was being able to integrate nature and more nature along that because we did a design week um, project earlier this year and really focused on how nature can um, impact people's health yeah. physically and mentally. Um, so I think that was something that was really important to us because I feel like a lot of times when you're in cities like this, you don't have time to get out. You're looking at hardscape. You don't see a lot of trees. And so that was right. something that was really important to us. Right. I don't have access to a actual park exactly. or time to go to one or transportation or whatever. And views are everything. Like being able to look out your window and see trees and stuff like that versus seeing a parking lot can really change a lot of things. Like in hospitals, like patients recover faster if they have a prettier look. Because it's not just trees. It's habitat right yeah, for exactly. wildlife <laughs> and along with what she was saying about the hardscape so there's an opportunity for stormwater management to be better by using plants and just less um, impervious surfaces yeah. so that's where landscape architecture comes into yeah so even though the corridor is pretty hardscaped right now you all see good opportunities for putting in nature nonetheless what might that look like well, for example, I can, I'm speaking for my group because we had the Eastern Parkway right, yeah, um, yeah, intersection, yeah. but for that area, we kind of had envisioned this community marketplace type oh, er nice. area, and it would bring more opportunities for food. That area is almost a food desert because within half a mile, the only food options are fast food. So, but then we also proposed kind of like a park type area that would go along with the community marketplace. Um, so that would just kind of along with the what we were saying about that would help the stormwater and that would help like providing green spaces for communities that don't necessarily have access. And not only that, our marketplace also helps bring in more economy and more revenue into that yeah. area as well, So which is also a benefit because the city's not looking at yeah. how these trees right. impact, they're looking at how much money they can get. So at that particular intersection, there is like an island, 
right, between mm -hmm. where Shelby splits off from That's Preston? Yes. Is that where this vision is mm -hmm. happening? Yes. So we are from, if you know where Fetter is, it's Fetter, Shelby, Preston, that little triangle, and then right below that where um, the auto shop and the laundromat is. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. I was going to say also that south towards the um, county line, there are like a couple of properties too where you can see, uh, or a couple of areas that students work on to different, two other different sites near the Jefferson Mall and then the Indian Hills mm -hmm. uh, Trail. And those are huge surface parking areas. And it's funny because just to grasp the scale of that and for the students to be able to design something for that kind of scale they is the equivalent of like maybe six downtown city blocks wow um so uh the the, the changes on those two areas is, are even more it's kind of like a larger vision of what's what do we want these to be yeah 30 years from now but i think they all have the same concept so less impervious surface and bringing more water and green and those areas especially they have lack of parks public parks or, or green space and they probably you know sometimes we, we don't own a car so you want to access to parks that are closer from where you live so one of the projects talks about a 15-minute city so how oh, can some of these areas access to basic needs within 15 minutes of their homes so there is a lot of more like mixed use development access to parks and bringing the community together especially for those other two sites that are so large so one of the cool things about being in a cross-disciplinary effort like this you know you've got you got the perspective landscape brings and really sort of looking at the green infrastructure and how yeah. all that comes together and you know and and we had uh our friend unfortunately don't have any of our friends from interiors here today but they they were looking at because Part of it is, is it's like, yes, you've got the opportunity to redevelop, but also how can you reuse, right? Right, right. I mean, if you think about the sunk carbon that is in all of the buildings that are there, even those parking lots, right? That's all sunk carbon, right? And so the interiors folks were actually looking at the Jefferson Mall, which at the moment is, I think, being used to park a whole bunch of Ford F-150s that need chips. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and there's a few other things still happening there, but not a lot, right? Um, wow. Anyway, but they were looking at the Jefferson Mall and, and what if, uh, and, and with the premise of like, well, what if that became a, a medical facility? Yeah. Right. And so they're studying on how could you take existing buildings and repurpose them for needs of the future, right? Again, all of this is about kind of looking to the future and none of us can predict it. But we can certainly see trends, right? And so as population ages, as to the 15-minute city issue, right, is is the idea that you have to go downtown for stuff like that is, that's also changing, right? And so, um, and one of the interesting, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I co-taught the uh, architecture uh, portion with, uh, with Brent Sterlocks and, and um, a number of our students, what was really interesting was a number of our students latched on to transit, but mm -hmm. not in a transit planning kind of way, right? There are people who can figure out where the do right. bus routes and that kind of stuff. And uh, a quick shout out to my uh, friend, Carrie Butler, if she's listening. <laughs> Carrie and I worked together at Lextran. Oh, uh, cool. When I was on the board there. We're glad to have her. Yeah, talk. she's great. Yeah. But not so much looking at the planning, but actually looking at the experience, right? Yeah. And so one student who you know started looking into some stuff and realized that when people took the shuttle from the airport to get 
to the bus route that they basically had dropped off in a parking lot. Mm, like they're just standing right. there in the middle of a parking lot, right? And so we had one student really explored like what would a transit center experience be yeah. um, that could uh, you know really be a welcoming you know, sort of a welcoming experience for someone who comes in, you know, flies into the airport and then like needs to transfer into the to the bus system. Um, we had uh, we had another you know another group, another student who looked really you know, really looked at sort of the transit experience at Outer Loop, um, uh-huh. right? You know, so looking at that intersection of Outer Loop and Preston and how you know how could that be a park and ride situation how could that be a you know a, a hub and then what is a transit oriented development opportunity there um and they came up with a really really kind of compelling plan for how to like sort of rethink and redevelop without necessarily tearing down a bunch of stuff that whole stretch of of outer loop between preston and the uh the mall right and that was the whole premise of it really was transit-oriented development. So those are the those are the kind of cool things you get to do when you have different disciplines looking at it from different design perspectives. Sure is exciting. We're talking today about sustainable development on the Preston Corridor with some friends. We're breaking down the Louisville-UK uh, rivalry today to celebrate uh, a program called Studio Louisville, which is uh, run by the University of Kentucky. You just heard from Jeff Fugate. He is uh, a faculty there and the exhibit coordinator for the exhibit about the Preston Corridor that is available in this pop-up healthful city design studio in the Republic Building at 5th and Ali on the second floor. Uh, check udstudio.org for the hours that you can see that through early January. Uh, we also have got uh, another faculty, Carolina Segura-Bell from Landscape Architecture, and then three seniors in Landscape Architecture. You've been hearing from Kimberly Clark's uh, Chalk, sorry, <laughs> Skyler <laughs> Collins, and Chloe Mattingly. All right, so... Again, I want to really encourage the public to go to PrestonCorridorPlan.org because I just last night did my public input, and it was super fun, way better than your typical survey, right? You actually get to play with the map of the Preston Corridor and put pins on the map for different things that you would like to see or problems you know about, opportunities, basically, for improving the whole corridor. Uh, So you can put a pin about this would be a great space for some green open space, or this is a place that needs some attention from a cyclist perspective or a pedestrian or a transit perspective, those kinds of things. Uh, And uh, one of the places I spent some good time thinking about was that Eastern and Preston uh, corridor because it's a destination. There's a lot there. uh, And it's also kind of problematic from a safety perspective. Um, And I know that there has been some other planning efforts for the Eastern Parkway corridor. I don't know if you all looked at that and that informed your thoughts too. Yeah, we looked really heavily into that. That was a big inspiration for our project. So I think at least one of the visions for that intersection in that plan is to actually close the Shelby cutoff, right? Yes. So what we did was actually propose that that would be more of a multimodal street, but it mainly for kind of like the neighborhood. So that would be a slow street. Yeah. So and then we actually decided to propose that Preston through that area becomes a two-way. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) To try to make that. Uh, So on that multimodal street, so on Shelby, it's got a two-way cycle track with a heavy buffer, and then it's a one-way for uh, buses and cars. And then there's parking along uh, the right side. So two-way cycle track, if folks 
if that, if that doesn't bring an image to mind, think about the Castlewood redevelopment here in Louisville, uh, where there was originally a four-lane road, uh, no place for bikes to be safely, uh, and they did a road diet on it and put in, a, like you said, heavily buffered. So there's these uh, pylons that prevent cars from swerving into the lane, right? And there's a bike or stroller or walking traffic in both directions on the same side of the street. Is that that's what you're talking about? Yes. So we kind of even have a buffer between um, bike and pedestrian, but we kind of have like these little areas where if the bikes need to get through or people need to get through. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there's enough width there if you close this big wide road. Right. right? And if we made Preston a two way, it would open up. um, We would need less traffic on Shelby. And then one of our main focuses with the cycle track was being able to connect the existing metro bikeways as well in Louisville. And so that was one of our big things and being able to connect to existing parks as well in the university. Yeah. Well, I hope there was a lot of conversation about two-waying because that seems to be one of the biggest ills of our urban planning here in Louisville so far is all these one-way multi-lane roads that are clearly designed as highways in the heart of our city. Now, way out at the southern end of Preston Corridor, I can understand why you would have a highway mindset. But at Eastern Parkway, (laughs) north from there, like, why is it one way to begin with? This is insane to me, right? Right. We when we were looking at it, it was actually I think uh, Jeff kind of had said something because this was what was nice about getting to work with other disciplines. He kind of looked at it and he was like, well, you know, you have this because we proposed a little kind of like a mini transit hub type area um, down kind of it was in the area where like near where the auto shop and everything Mm -hmm. is. Um, We just thought that was a good opportunity for that for people going into downtown. And he was like, well, if you made it two-way, that might just make everything flow better, and then it would open up Shelby to be this really slow, multimodal street. Yeah. Now, I've always heard from the city when we start talking about two-ways, if it's a state-controlled road, <laughs> then we get into trouble because uh, the state has different ideas, and they get to ultimately make the decision. So what is the reality for the Preston Corridor? Is it state-owned the whole way? What are we talking about? I'm pretty sure it is con- I haven't, I, you know, it's funny, I didn't even <laughs> necessarily check that box at some point. I yeah. think it probably is, if it has a number, yep. it, if it has a number all the then way downtown, state highway, yeah, right. I, I'd have to pull up the map here to take a look. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, now you're getting into the war stories from my pre- <laughs> pre- previous life working in downtown Lexington. So. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it is a transit line, right? So can we talk about the transit that currently serves the Preston Corridor? Mm-hmm. Well, again, you know, I'm glad there are transit planners out there because I'm not one, right? <laughs> That's not what um, you do, right? But I will say that if you look at the map of the bus system in Louisville, that corridor is super important. And yeah. not only is it super important, I, I think I'm correct when I say that that, that is the further south in Jefferson County that the, yeah, I think you're right. that the system goes. And so... So it does really point to the fact that, like, that corridor is super important in terms of it creating this spine yeah, you know, right. for Jefferson County. Right. And, uh, of course, uh, that spine is, I mean, we're talking about from an infrastructure standpoint. Of course, we also all know that there's social component to that as well yeah. and some of the patterns there. Uh, one of the things that our um, studio did was actually spend the first, uh, gosh, six, seven weeks doing mapping exercises. So before we even got into, like, creative design ideas it was let's under you know let's understand and so we actually created um and we will have a uh, we will have a publication of for the studio um 
don't exactly, I don't have a URL for it yet, <laughs> but I will share it f with you as soon as we do. And I'm sure oh. it'll be linked from UDStudio.org. Our good yeah. friends at the, at the Urban Design Studio. Mm -hmm. um, what I was going to say is, is that, that we ended up creating was basically like a little atlas of, oh. of Jefferson County and then looking at the Preston, you know, doing a buffer around the Preston corridor and yeah. looking at that. And so tried to look also not just at sort of maybe some of the top top line sustainability issues, but also some of the social issues underlying that. Um, and in fact, we we really talked about the fact that um, particularly in terms of climate impact, you know, if you're looking to the future and trying to anticipate what yeah. we're looking at, that that climate impact is disproportionately going to affect people of, you know, of, of lesser means and, and people of color and, um, and certain neighborhoods will, will see those impacts greater than others. And so that's something for us to be very cognizant of as we as we yep. think about these proposals. Yep. Yeah. And Preston, of course, cuts right through the, the it is the spine of mm -hmm. one of our historically black neighborhoods, yes. Smoketown, which also has tons of opportunity. Maybe we can talk about Smoketown, too. But before I forget, uh, there is one major point in the entire corridor from a transportation perspective that is interrupted, and that's the railroad at Burnett. This <laughs> yeah. is a real bugaboo for me because as a bike commuter, that intersection is between my commute from home <laughs> to, uh. to work at UofL. Um, so what has been the thinking about that issue in that particular spot? I think that's when uh, the Eastern Parkway group, they look at the not just that um, area, but the larger impact of the design that they propose. Okay. And then the two-way cycle track uh, looking into the future, the ideas that will connect to the um, pedestrian uh, way that crosses the railroad mm. um, yeah we did phases so our phase one was kind of those two areas that i was talking about and then the cycle track was in that in those areas as a part of phase one but then we wanted to take it up preston and where the street kind of gets interrupted we wanted to redo that current pedestrian bridge to make it big enough for yes. we'll redo the whole thing make it big enough for bikes and pedestrians you know what's really crazy about that spot there is is that when Carolina and, and I and some of the other faculty came and did the corridor for the first time this summer is that there, <laughs> there is actually a crosswalk with signal that will take you to the no trespassing sign on the rail <laughs> that has a very, very clearly utilized path oh across it. Yes. Right? Yeah. And it, it's one of those fascinating, awesome. like, one of those fascinating urban moments where it's like, so, really? So, we did this? So we actually, like, <laughs> put the crosswalk to get you to the, the track that you're not supposed to cross. Right. So I, I have, I will admit, I have carried my bicycle oh, across those tracks multiple times. I don't do it every day because right. it's pretty annoying. But pretty much every time I pass by there, I see people just walking across the tracks. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem safe or smart. And nobody's going to use that elevated. I've tried to do it once or mm. twice that even if it was well designed, well, maybe if it was really well designed, maybe if it was like the next big four bridge kind of design. Uh, but I just done. can't imagine people are going to bother like gaining that much elevation on a bicycle and coming well, back it, down. It, I, I've always thought that if there's a little tower you climbed, got onto a zip line. There you mm. go. Oh, that's that's that, fun. Yeah. that would be cool. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, so I wonder yeah. why we can't have a surface crossing like that same railroad track has a few blocks away at Shelby Parkway or St. Catherine. You know, um, this is my uh, little quick urban history, which is that um, 
railroads um are they're fun to work with aren't they're they? fun to work with <laughs> but it basically goes back to the very the very beginnings of building those railroads is is that they were given easements and right-of-ways that uh basically supersede local state control and um and so railroads um you know, like airports actually are, are <laughs> you know, they, they respond to the federal government, but that's about it. Wow. And, you know, and it's not to say that they can't be good partners, um, but there's just, there's a lot of legal background that makes it very difficult to sometimes have yeah. those conversations, particularly well, at those kind of scales, right? Well, it's funny, like the railroad clearly hasn't tried to like keep people from crossing there because there's no fence. Right. So and like you say, there's even like a pedestrian signal to get there. Like it it seems like it wouldn't be that hard to, to get a, a surface crossing there that would be a little rationalized and safe. I don't know. One, one would hope. <laughs> one would hope. <laughs> we're talking today about the future of the entire Preston corridor. And of course, we're diving deep into some rabbit holes about things like Preston at Burnett and the railroad crossing there uh, with friends from the University of Kentucky. You've just heard from Jeff Fugate. We've also got Carolina Segura Bell, another uh, senior lecturer in the Department of Landscape Architecture. And then three seniors in landscape architecture, Kimberly Chalk, Skylar Collins, and Chloe Mattingly are all here. Uh, so this is for you all has been sort of like i would imagine like a capstone experience are you getting ready to graduate soon or where does this fit it in your like academic career <laughs> yeah, it feels right. like, yeah the spring semester will be our last semester and and will you do anything like this uh in the spring or is this was really culminating no our spring semester is going to be uh much more individual okay but uh th yeah this was a very unique studio we've never done anything quite like this um so it's been really nice to learn especially from um just the architects and interior design uh we learned a lot of stuff that we we don't really think as much about buildings and their like land use as much so this uh semester really helped us learn a lot about that yeah yeah i would imagine so um and and were you kind of frustrated that you couldn't work on lexington like why do we gotta work on little no <laughs> no we've done a lot of projects in lexington it was exciting to get to like do something different yeah yeah in our final semester we are, have like a choice of different sites in lexington so we'll be working in lexington okay. next <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they will be well prepared to for the capstone studio yeah yeah it's an yeah. understatement really? yeah <laughs> Well, and the neat thing I think about this is like we started out saying the Preston Corridor represents so much of a urban experience, especially when you make the whole county your urban experience, as we've done in Louisville, right? Um, there's just such a wide variety of environments and challenges and opportunities there. Um, I, did any of you look specifically at the Smoketown area? Do you want to talk about that? Because it seems like there's so many good opportunities right there in Smoketown. Yeah, we didn't. None of our students landed there. Okay. We had we had one group that looked at the Shelby Park area, um, and uh, which is close, of course. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, and and actually, I was really struck by the fact that in general, the students were were drawn more to these sort of more suburban, aging suburban sort of strip right. areas, um, okay. which you know, which needs a lot of fresh thinking. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. It's like we we kind of we kind of know how to revitalize the uh sort of the the established urban neighborhoods but we right. are you know there's there's still a need for some new design ideas when it comes to what do we do with these existing yeah. uh strip centers and that kind of thing is yeah i think well it was really fun for me to go to prestoncorridorplan.org and just take a look at some of those 
opportunities for infill redevelopment, uh, we still have so many vacant properties, whether it's like a former parking lot that's not being used. There's a huge one in, in Smoketown, right on Preston there. Uh, or it's it's kind of a, a space where there clearly used to be a building and nothing's happening there. What you know, I was all these questions were popping in my mind about who owns this and what is the vision here uh and it would be exciting to take a fresh look at it like you all are doing uh and so uh, i'm excited to see the results for sure if we can go back to eastern parkway since that's where <laughs> that's where you guys put your heads in oh, yeah. there is already a green space there and it's an odd one it's a church owned is that right there's like a walking track what is that Yes, so we we did look at that area and it was it was an area that we were like, hmm, should we <laughs> should too. we focus a lot on this area and try to make it this great park and connect it? And then uh, I think Carolina, our professor, was kind of like, well, maybe you should just focus on. And also, um, Amy, she's our adjunct. She also said maybe we should focus on extending the Eastern Parkway onto Preston, since Preston was just our main focus, which is yeah. why we kind of focused more on that um, Fetter Shelby Preston triangle. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I often go by that particular green space and just wonder, like, there seems like so much could happen with this. And the residents, it's space. kind of owned, I think it's owned by the church, and then part of it's also owned by those apartments. Mm, okay, it's like multi-family yeah. housing. Yeah, it's it's very, it's a interesting but I mean, area. Ultimately, we decided that we wanted to see more green space and less hardscape on Preston, and by focusing on something on the Eastern Parkway, that would be kind of irrelevant to what our purpose is for this project. I got you, I got you. Uh, so, were there other any other green spaces that you want to highlight, maybe from the entire project, that are worth like point, pointing out? So, well, we also it's important to note that we wanted to make a big connection to Emerson Park, which has a community garden. Oh, nice! Um, so, our uh, community marketplace would have an area where um, Emerson or other local parks could bring uh, produce from their community gardens and sell it. Wow! Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's like nice. within a half mile of our site. Mm -hmm. And then we also proposed a better connection to Preston Park, just w along with that um, two-way cycle track, mm -hmm. which is just right there's, up Preston. Further down Preston by the airport, there's also some weird vacant land going on there, too. <laughs> did you look into was. that? <laughs> so my group, we did, um, yeah, over by the airport and the expo center. Yeah. Right where that big value city is, and it's that ginormous parking lot that just has like five cars in it <laughs> what like, is that and then that's it and then um you know across the street is Audubon and that's like you know a very important place in Louisville and we wanted to really look at that and be like what could we like how we talked about earlier the strips and our things like how can we take that and like revitalize it and put some green space in there so that like those families in that community across the street can have easy access to you know like convenient like eating shopping and like yeah. new like economic growth opportunities and things like that and just keeping what's local and like important there and then kind of looking at the other things that maybe how can we like change that and move it towards more local and like create more of like a community in that area yeah well it looks like they learned something <laughs> yeah. i'm very proud of the work and uh I would have to say, like, midterms was kind of like an eye-opening moment. So we have architecture students presenting their work, and it was buildings everywhere. And then we have <laughs> landscape architecture students presenting theirs, and it was just green space everywhere. And then we have interior design students with 
their interior design area. And then somebody suggested, well, it'd be so nice just to mash all these together and do something <laughs> that is, you know, balanced and it has a little bit of everything. So I think there is value. Sometimes during the semester, we don't think the students think that it's a benefit of working on these kind of projects, multidisciplinary, but I think it is. So. Yeah. You had geographers in on this, too, right? Yes. We did, yeah. Our colleague, Matthew Wilson, who was in the geography department as a critical cartographer, I think is the term. Okay. And yeah, so they had the community map shop, which is the, the class he teaches. They also were, so we did sort of, a, you know, we did a, the cursory atlas, but then his group actually went a lot deeper in terms of, of mapping some you know, conditions in Jefferson County, particularly around the corridor. So yeah, that was exciting too, kind of an interesting experiment yeah. of trying to bring in a little bit more of that spatial yeah. analysis piece. And and part of the thinking is economic too. It's been mentioned mm -hmm. in terms of maybe creating a new market at Eastern Parkway or something like that. Um, what are some of the other thinkings about how this corridor could more sustainably contribute to economic growth in Louisville? I'll take a crack at that. Um, though I'd love to hear what the students yeah. speak sure. of. What, what did you guys, learn? What did you guys <laughs> learn over the over the semester? Um, you know, it, it, so one of the things that uh, one of the again we can't predict the future. But one of the trends we can look at is that um, water access is going to be a major driver in the next fifty years in terms of of settlement. Right. I mean, so we see yeah. the West is dealing with extended drought. We know that the coast are dealing with uh, salinification of some of their sources. Kentucky has a ton of water. Yeah, and so too. there is actually good reason to believe that we are going to be a very popular place in the coming century. Um, yeah. And, um, and for better or worse, right? And so part of, part of what we need to anticipate is that if we are looking at sustained population growth, then um, what is a sustainable way to place those people right because right. we've kind of got different you know some different forces at play right now right yeah. I mean it's it's um in some ways if you think about um if you think about the promise of automated autonomous vehicles is that maybe we reduce the number of vehicles that are out there running around because one vehicle could serve multiple people or multiple households on the other hand if you have autonomous vehicles, well, an hour and a half commute suddenly doesn't seem so bad. Yeah. And so, or two hour commute or a three hour commute. And so it could, it could potentially even escalate, could escalate sprawl. Right. Oh, and no. so, so there's, <laughs> you're right. So you have to sort of, so as you're thinking about those kind of like possibilities, then part of, um, part of what I think we did with this studio was also demonstrate and I'll use the dreaded density word, but demonstrate that you could continue to build and rebuild within the existing footprint of Louisville's urban infrastructure and add capacity to whether it be housing, businesses, et cetera, um, without necessarily, you know, without destroying the neighborhood, right? right. And so, so uh, I think that we, I think we made that case. Yeah. I see her, Carolina nodding her yeah. head, so. Yes, <laughs> I, I agree. I think that they're, um, especially for the two areas, the more suburban areas, um, I think the idea of redeveloping and in terms of adding more density and a lot of different uses just to serve to that population. So the urban transit and connecting people by bike or walking um, and bring the neighborhoods around it to these places uh, to generate more vibrancy, economic opportunity, and, uh, you know, healthy places, just health, the environment, and health people as well. 
and with the social equity lens to it all, right? Like that's been part of the we design. Always, we certainly hope so. Template, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, we're nearing the end of our time. I want to make sure there's not anything I failed to ask that you were really <laughs> hoping to share about your experience or your design plans. Is there anything popping to mind that you really wanted to throw out before we close? And, and I don't actually know this. Are any of you from Louisville? Oh yeah. I I am. Chloe's yeah. from Louisville. Chloe's okay. from Louisville. My mom, okay. or my mom just moved. Um, she used to live up the St. Catherine exit, um, and she just moved off uh, Grinstead. So. Oh nice. Yeah, it's I love Louisville. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love Louisville too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are welcome anytime. You don't have to stay in your Lexington bubble. No, I know you. You probably get here all the time. Uh, well, I hope it's been an exciting experience for all of you. We're so glad to have you here in Louisville and using Louisville as a living lab for studying these sustainability challenges. I think that's such important work. Um, I wish we had architects and landscape architects at the University of Louisville who could collaborate with this. We do have some geographers, though, mm -hmm. so maybe that's... And some urban planners. Yeah, and some urban planners, yeah. absolutely. We could work on that in the future. And has the metro government been pretty receptive and good to work with on this or yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah i have to compliment louisville you know their community design planning planning and design department i think i got that right yeah <laughs> um you know they're very professional and they're very forward-looking and they're they've been very supportive of getting us whatever we needed information wise i also the city's data is great oh yeah right in terms of just mm -hmm. access to information all of that being available and put out there on the website in the way that is accessible um so also just very complimentary of metro government in terms of that kind of work yeah absolutely and they've they've hired some great people to put together this public facing person corridor plan.org input portal for for public comment again i really encourage people to go to preston corridor plan.org you can take the virtual flyover of the corridor uh, from oh, the nice. all the way from the you know the baseball stadium at the waterfront all the way out into the suburbs there in the far end of the county uh to get an experience in three minutes of what the what the whole corridor is like if you if you're not familiar with it and going down it every day and then you again have the opportunity to put those pins on the map and, and share your ideas uh, if folks want to learn more uh, beyond going to pressingquarterplan.org uh, you can go to ur the urban design studios website that's udstudio.org and you'll be able to see there the hours that you can come on out to this pop-up healthful city design studio in the republic building at fifth and ali it's up on the second floor and the hours will be posted there at ud studio uh thanks you all for coming to louisville for this uh, grand opening of the preston quarter studio this is cool thank, thank you, you. <laughs> thanks so much all right uh stay tuned everybody coming up in just a moment your community action calendar with all kinds of ideas about how you can get engaged in sustainability this week my friends so stay tuned Love is what we need. See it climbed up on the mountain and I looked down to the sea. I took a breath for hope and a breath for peace and a breath for my friends and family. Ran through all the trials of life and I've been down chasing dreams. Kept the beat in time with another rhyme and this is what I see. You gotta spread the love around, baby, spread the love around. Spread the love around, oh yeah, up and down the town. Spread the joy around. Every day and every 
are back here on your holiday week edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg. Beneath me now, the sweet, sweet sounds of Appalachian, and many thanks to them for giving us permission throughout these many years to play their great local music on the podcast versions of our programs, which you can always find archived at forwardradio.org. Many thanks to them. You can learn more about them at appalatin.com. Perhaps a great gift for the holiday season would be some Appalachian music for your loved ones. How about that? All right. Well, get your pencils sharpened and your calendars out, my friends. Yes, even this holiday week is one where you can take action for sustainability. There's some great stuff going on. First of all, this Tuesday, December 21st at 7 p.m. is Ford Radio's community partner, the Greater Louisville Sierra Club, will be hosting their traditional winter solstice celebration, and it is virtual this year. Now, normally this is a potluck meal, but uh, they, they hope you'll join them remotely with your favorite food and beverage for a relaxing program where they will share and reflect on this year's successes and challenges. Participants will enjoy music from John Gage and hear from special guest Congressman John Yarmouth. You're invited to join as the Sierra Club ends the year with friends, renewing their commitment to explore, enjoy, and protect the planet. You can find the link to join. It's open to everyone, not just members, at sierraclub.org slash Group. sierraclub.org slash Group for the 7 p.m. virtual Sierra Club annual winter solstice celebration. Now, a couple of volunteer opportunities in this season of joy and giving for you right after Christmas, the day after Christmas on Sunday, December 26th. Here's a couple of ways you can pitch in. First of all, Hip Hop Cares does a Sunday serve at First and Broadway for those in need, the houseless, uh, feeding them from 1030 a.m. is when they set up and they start serving around 11, go through noon. Hip Hop Cares serves between two and 300 members of our community who are experiencing hunger and who are houseless. This pandemic, of course, has posed many challenges, particularly for the friends that they serve on Sundays. They need you and would love more volunteer involvement. There are several ways you can help out. If you'd like to make food for the Sunday serve, maybe you've got some great leftovers from your holiday feast. They would love it. They continue to practice social distancing and wear masks, of course. Volunteers prepare meals and place them in a to-go container and bring them to First and Broadway on Sundays around 10.30 a.m. They prepare hot meals that usually include a protein, a starch, a vegetable, fruit, or dessert, and they try to keep the costs low, around $1.50 a meal. If you or your group would like to volunteer to help out with the Sunday serve, everyone is welcome. Again, they start setting up at 10.30 a.m. every Sunday and serve at 11, and they go for about an hour. They'd love to see you there on the day after Christmas. If you'd like to bring a donation, they can always use water, travel-sized toiletries, and individually packaged snacks. You can just uh, drop items off if you're able to donate or a volunteer can arrange to come pick them up for you. There's always a need for things like water and socks, snacks and soft fruit, uh, underwear, Kroger and uh gift cards to uh, local grocery stores, toiletries, and basic necessities. You can find more information in the link to register. Uh, you don't need to register. You just show up at facebook.com slash hiphopcares502. That's facebook.com slash hiphopcares502. 
And a reminder that every Sunday at noon, UofL hosts a compost church. You can come volunteer at our community composting site just north of the Belknap campus, just past the Taco Bell. Uh, every Sunday at noon, the, the, the address is 250 East Bloom Street, and the composting takes place at the back of the grounds lot there between the railroad and Floyd Street on East Bloom. That's how you enter. You can kind of come help us turn trash into treasure as we manage UofL's volunteer-powered community composting operation. Dressed to get dirty, tools are provided, and you can learn about worm composting. And all participants are welcome to haul back home some rich UofL compost for their own gardening projects or potted plants or whatever you got in whatever containers and vehicles you bring. This is, of course, a weekly service opportunity throughout the year. You can learn more at louisville.edu slash sustainable. And we hope to see you there uh, for Compost Church on Sunday, the 26th at noon to 2 or any Sunday, noon to 2 throughout the year. I also want to let you know about a cool event going on through the end of the month at Waterfront Botanical Gardens, located at the very northern end of Frankfurt Avenue, 1435 Frankfurt Ave. It's called Gardens A Glimmer, and it's daily through December 30th from about 5.45 to 9 p.m. You can support your local botanical garden that was built on an abandoned landfill while enjoying a sparkling winter wonderland of swans, snowflakes, deer, Moravian stars, oversized flowers, light burst candles, and a multicolored tunnel of lights all at Waterfront Botanical Gardens this season. Wander the Beargrass Creek pathway under icicle arches and a waterfall stream aglow. Visit Santa and his sleigh in the Grazer Family Education Center and Mrs. Claus's cottage in the new LNT Leslie Bot- Botanical Classrooms. This is a self-guided walking experience. Hot beverages and cookies are available for purchase from Khalil's in the Jingle All the Way Cafe. Once you arrive, you're welcome to stay as long as you like. However, they recommend 45 minutes as ample time for ambling through the visit. Lights turn off at 9 p.m. You can purchase your tickets for the staggered starting entry times in advance at waterfrontgardens.org. And again, that is every day except Christmas Eve and Christmas, uh, daily through December 30th from starting at 5.45 p.m. going through 9 p.m. at Waterfront Botanical Gardens on Frankfurt Avenue. And now, my friends, I'd like to share a whole bunch of ideas for how you can support the latest victims of the global climate crisis, those who suffered from the horrific December 11th tornadoes. Well, just like us here at Forward Radio, our friends down the road at our sister community radio station, Art FM, also love Kentucky. We are all so heartbreaking over the tragic path of destruction that bulldozed through our state, turning entire cities into piles of rubble and debris. The pain and suffering, of course, is immeasurable. We all want to help out, but it can be hard to know where to start. Well, Art of Him has done an amazing job of assembling a list of resources uh, for how you can help out. They keep it updated at artxfm.com slash tornado. There are many ways to give, uh, and if you have an organization or event to add, you can do so at artxfm.com slash PSA for public service announcement. That's artxfm.com slash PSA if you've got another organization to add to the list or uh, an event going on that would be a benefit for the victims of the tornadoes. But here's a few things you can do. 
first of all, there's Team Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund. Governor Bashir has established this Team Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund to assist those impacted by the tornadoes and severe weather. All donations are tax deductible, and you can give right now whatever you can afford at Team WKY Relief Fund. Dot ky dot gov. That's team WKY relief fund dot ky dot gov. Also, the Lee Initiative is delivering meals and water to those affected by the tornadoes in Western Kentucky, as well as providing direct assistance to those in the restaurant industry. You can learn more and support their efforts at leeinitiative.org. That's L E E initiative.org. The Commonwealth Alliance Donor Table, Kentucky Civic Engagement Table, Black Leadership Action Coalition of Kentucky, and Hood to the Holler are also raising funds together to sustainably support disaster relief efforts in Western Kentucky. All funds raised will be directed to grassroots groups supporting short-term and long-term mutual aid and disaster relief for communities impacted by the recent tornadoes. They'll be prioritizing groups that serve Kentuckians who may otherwise be neglected by other relief efforts, particularly black, indigenous, people of color, refugee, immigrant, and poor and working class Kentuckians. You can support their amazing tornado recovery efforts at actionnetwork.org slash fundraising slash Kentucky hyphen tornado hyphen relief. So if you want to support this great work with Hood to the Holler and many other organizations, go to actionnetwork.org slash fundraising slash Kentucky hyphen tornado hyphen relief. Also, the Mennonite Disaster Service is a volunteer network that responds to those affected by disasters in Canada and the U.S. The Mennonite Disaster Service is currently accepting donations and volunteer applications for those interested in assisting with tornado recovery efforts in western Kentucky. You can get involved by visiting mds.org for the Mennonite Disaster Service. Go to mds.org. Also, Planned Parenthood of Kentucky is collecting donations specifically of diapers and feminine hygiene products for the victims of the December tornadoes. Items may be dropped off at 842 South 7th Street in downtown Louisville at the Planned Parenthood, 842 South 7th Street. Also, Queer Kentucky is offering relief to community members in Western Kentucky struck by the tornadoes through their mutual aid fund. You can help by visiting QueerKentucky.com and clicking Mutual Aid. That's QueerKentucky.com. Another neat project is the Woodsongs Instrument Exchange. Many musicians in Western Kentucky have lost everything in the recent tornadoes, including guitars, banjos, mandolins, and fiddles. The nonprofit Woodsongs is working to send musical instruments to those harmed by the tragedy. If you're a musician from the emergency area interested in receiving an instrument, or if you are interested in donating an instrument to the region, you can email radio at woodsongs.com. Com with the relevant information and the word tornado in the subject heading. That's radio at woodsongs.com. And you can also drop instruments off if you want to donate them at Mom's Music, located at 1900 Melwood Avenue. Full details are at woodsongs.com. 
slash tornado. That's woodsongs.com slash tornado. CERF Plus is uh, uh, doing an artist disaster relief as well. They're a 501c3 mutual aid organization that offers emergency relief to artists working in craft disciplines who have experienced loss due to illness, injury, or natural disasters like these. Victims of the recent tornadoes in Western Kentucky are encouraged to apply for financial assistance by visiting CERFPLUS.org. And they take donations there as well. C-E-R-F-P-L-U-S dot org. And then, of course, there's the United Way of Kentucky doing their own tornado relief. You can go to uwky.org slash tornado. Or the American Red Cross is doing a lot of great work in tornado relief, taking blood donations, offering shelter. They have their Safe and Well program. You can learn all about it uh, by calling 1-800-RED-CROSS to donate. Uh, if you're interested in donating blood, you can find a blood donation center to, at redcrossblood.org. Uh, if you need shelter, you can go to redcross.org shelter. And the Safe and Well program is available at safeandwell.org and there's a disaster distress helpline that everyone should know about you can call or text them at 1-800-985-5990 and that is all the time we have for today here on sustainability now thank you all so much for tuning in today hope you have a wonderful holiday season and i look forward to being back in your ears after christmas is done uh, next week here on sustainability now be well. And we're rolling on the river. Ooh, child, she's an easy giver, yeah. And we're diving in the lake. Good Lord, she's never too late, oh yeah. And we're swimming in the sea. I said, 